Since the beginning of literacy instruction, there has been a long debate on how students learn to read. Balanced literacy, whole language, strictly phonics, there are so many theories behind reading instruction. However, there is one that has been around for a long time and is research-based. It is the science of reading. In today's podcast, we are going to dive headfirst into the key takeaways behind this approach to reading instruction. We will discuss the five main components, the research behind the approach, and a couple of misconceptions. Before diving into the three things that you should know about the science of reading, I'd like to start off with a quote. Teaching reading is rocket science. Yeah, no kidding. As I mentioned earlier, the correct way to teach reading has long been debated, and it seems like it is becoming a hot topic in the educational community once again. Now, when I was in college, I was once told that education is like a pendulum, swinging from one line of thought or extreme to the other. And for me, I've often found that somewhere in the middle lies the sweet spot, except when it comes to reading instruction. This past summer, I was fortunate enough to be asked to assist with a Science of Reading conference. And in doing so, I collaborated with colleagues who are well-versed in reading instruction, read several books about the subject, and presented my findings to educators across the district. I am here to share my takeaways from that experience. If I were to sum up what I have learned, it's that the process of learning how to read is a complicated one. It relies heavily on explicit phonics instruction, but also depends on language comprehension, which includes vocabulary. The science of reading, like the process of reading itself, is vast and lengthy. Several books are dedicated to this very subject, which I will reference later, but what I want to discuss today are the three important things that you should know when it comes to this topic. We can't have a discussion about the science of reading without first identifying its components. The five parts of the science of reading are phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. While some components lend themselves to specific grade levels, all of them to some extent can and should be part of every elementary classroom. If you are wondering what that looks like, stay tuned for my next episode because I'm going to walk you through what the science of reading looks like in a real-life classroom. In that episode, I'm going to talk about both primary and upper grades. But for now, let's first define each of the five components. Phonemic awareness is the ability to separate and manipulate sounds. These sounds or phonemes are created to create morphemes, which are units of meaning. An example of a student who is phonemically aware is one who can separate the word cat into three sounds, k-at. Then they are able to blend those sounds back together. Now, if you're looking for a starting point or some examples of how we can include activities that target phonemic awareness, Go to learningandprogress.com because I linked some printables and Nearpod games that are no prep and can easily be implemented into your literacy centers. The second component is phonics, 
And phonics are sets of rules that dictate what letters and letter combinations relate to specific sounds. This is the key to learning how to decode. And I feel very passionately, very strongly about explicitly teaching phonics in any elementary grade. And luckily for you, I have created a ton of printables and online games, all of which are linked on my blog, learningandprogress.com. The third component is fluency, which refers to the ability to read smoothly and accurately. This often includes expressive reading and phrasing. Although students are often timed when reading, it's actually not necessary to read quickly in order to become a fluent reader. In fact, sometimes when students read too quickly, it actually hurts their comprehension. The key here with fluency is to practice. If you're looking for that practice, I have a whole year's worth of fluency, um, differentiated fluency worksheets that are available on TPT. Now, there are also some specific fluency strategies that you as the teacher can explicitly teach, whether in whole group or in small group intervention. And for those strategies, make sure you tune in next time because I will be going over some that you can easily incorporate. The fourth component is vocabulary. And I happen to love teaching vocabulary, especially academic vocab. The beauty of vocabulary instruction is that it can quickly and easily be incorporated into any lesson. Now, it's important to note that vocab can be classified into three categories. Tier one is conversational. So words that we use just when talking to friends or when we're going about our day-to-day -day lives. The second tier is academic vocabulary. And these words are words that often appear in directions or in multiple subjects. And the last, tier three, is content-specific vocab which are words that help a student understand content within a specific subject. Now, in my humble opinion, I believe that vocabulary should not be restricted to memorize definitions and set vocabulary lists. Rather, true mastery lies in an authentic use of language in everyday context. Now, I will be talking a lot about vocab in the upcoming months, because quite frankly, I could talk about this for days. So I will in the future have a month strictly dedicated to vocabulary and I will share so many resources and ideas on how you can really target vocabulary comprehension. The last component is comprehension, which is so important and, and kind of a huge topic. One takeaway that I want to share with you is that we should not be waiting to teach comprehension strategies until after a student is fully decoding. So this is really important for us primary grade teachers out there. Make sure that you model and explicitly teach comprehension strategies, even though your kids are not fully decoding yet. Now, both language and reading comprehension should be targeted along with phonemic awareness and phonics, not just in primary, but upper grade teachers, this is important for you as well. 
There are so many comprehension strategies. And again, like vocab, I'm going to dedicate an entire month in the future to really hit home because this is an important skill for all students. A few strategies that I use very regularly are graphic organizers, peer discussions, and thinking out loud as the teacher. These are all examples of successful strategies that target comprehension and can be used in any subject. A second thing that you should absolutely know about the science of reading is that it's research-based. It is based on decades of research into how the brain acquires the ability to read. And unlike speech, this process is not natural. Students are not naturally going to inherit the ability to read simply because they are developing over time. The science of reading is not a reading fad. It's also not a new theory that's going to die out anytime soon. And that's what makes it different from other ideas in the so-called reading wars. It is also important to note that the science of reading is not a specific curriculum or a set of materials. It is evidence-based strategies that can be used with several different resources and curriculum. In fact, I'm going to share out some quick, efficient strategies that are based on the science of reading in my next episode. The best part about these strategies is that they can quickly be added to any lesson, in any subject, using any curriculum. Until then, if you're looking for some more resources on how to better understand the science of reading, there are three that I do highly recommend. Shifting the balance reading above the fray, and know better, do better. Now let's address some of the misconceptions for the science of reading. One common misconception is that the science of reading is only for students in grades K through 2, and this is far from the truth. Now, obviously, if a student is not decoding in the upper grades, that's a stop everything and intervene situation. But having said that, phonemic awareness and phonics still have a place in an upper elementary classroom with students who are at grade level. The instruction and content look different, of course, but these skills should still exist. Root words, prefixes, suffixes, and multisyllable words are examples of word work that require explicit instruction in grades four through six. Fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension should make up the majority of an upper grade instructional day. However, it is important to remember that literacy is not just language arts, but science and social studies as well. Even math can be included, especially when it comes to math vocab. So when you're thinking about the five components of the science of reading, no matter what grade level you're teaching, make sure all five components are sprinkled throughout your plans. Well, there you have it. Everything you need to know to at least get a feel for the science of reading. 
I will be digging deep into this topic over the next several months, so please don't feel like you need to be an expert at this just yet. Thank you for joining me as we dipped our toes into this approach to reading instruction. In my next episode, which will go live on Sunday, September 17th, we will take a closer look at what the science of reading looks like in both a primary and upper grade classroom. Get ready to walk away from the episode with some quick, efficient strategies that you can include in any lesson, any subject, any grade level. Until we meet again, remember to keep learning.